Hey friends, it's Andy. Welcome to our new show, Accelerate Expresso. Look, I mean, I know you're busy, and it's hard to keep up with all six of the great episodes we publish each week. So, with this show, Accelerate Expresso, we're going to deliver highlights from each episode from the previous week. And in the process, give you short, delicious shots of insight from a show you might have missed, and to help amp you up for the coming week. Now, before we jump into it, please remember to visit iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to subscribe to this podcast. And while you're there, leave a review, please, for Accelerate. We need your feedback to ensure that we keep delivering the high levels of value you expect. Okay, let's express it. Hey, everyone. My name is Alec Paul, Andy's son, filling in for him on this week's episode of Espresso while he's out of town. So let's get right to it. On Monday, episode 428, Andy spoke with Greg Dolly, co-founder of Claris Designs, about asymmetric metric variability, which is a fancy way of saying when a metric isn't estimated correctly, it's far more likely to be estimated incorrectly only in one direction. Let's let Greg explain it. So, you know, an example would be if you go to the store and you, and you get improper change from the cashier, right? Uh, how do you know if that cashier is dishonest versus they just aren't good at giving change? Right. Well, you know that because if they're just not good at giving change, sometimes you're going to get too much back. Sometimes you're going to get shorted. But if you always get shorted, uh, meaning that you know it's right. it's asymmetric, meaning there's the returns of that of that outcome are much more skewed towards one direction. That's how you kind of know. Um, and so, I think that the kind of like catch-all argument um, in the world of sales when it comes to data is, you know, when when. Uh, like number of deals goes down in a particular month or win rate goes up for a particular month or goes down. There's kind of this idea that like, Oh, like it'll all even out in the long run. You know, um, this is, you know, law, law of large numbers, like this will all average mm-hmm, out mm-hmm, and we'll mm-hmm. return. And, um, I think the argument that, that I would make is that there are some metrics that are not going to return to some, you know, quote unquote normal because there's a skewed distribution in, in, in those outcomes. And I think that, uh, you know, um, uh, forecasted amounts and forecasted close dates definitely f- fall into that bucket. Next up on episode 429, Gerhard Schwanter, CEO of Selling Power Magazine, shares with Andy his concept that the key to mindset is your inner CEO, or the prefrontal cortex of the brain that has the power of awareness and performs executive functions. Let's listen in. The biggest uh, level is when people understand that there is an inner CEO there is that prefrontal cortex right up here above your eyes, uh, which is the, the location of the executive function of the brain. Yeah, you, you just called it the CEO of the brain. We call it the inner CEO. Right. And the inner CEO has the power of awareness. You can look at situations from different perspectives. Right. And you can assess a situation in a way that it becomes self-enhancing instead of self-destructive. Uh, a lot of people, when they are under pressure, they see a threat versus seeing an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the inner CEO has two functions. One is to understand the foundation of your mindset and make better decisions in the future and create a platform for growth. And the second function of the inner CEO is to grow uh, in areas where they haven't grown before. Uh, one area will be no-limit thinking. And, uh, for example, when, I don't know, do you play golf? Badly. Badly. Okay. So one of the people in, in our course, um, she asked about, uh, you know, how does it apply to golf? 
And uh, well, no limit thinking is about not telling yourself that you suck at golf. Uh, no limit thinking means that if you're on a par three, that you can actually reach the green uh-huh. uh, on a par three, or that you could shoot a hole in one. Right. So if you tell yourself, I can shoot a hole in one, then all of a sudden your belief system changes, your behavior changes, your action changes. And uh, that woman actually applied this on the golf course and shot a hole in one <laughs> two days after uh, you know, doing that course. Right. And it's the same with salespeople where they say, well, this year I have a goal of a million dollars, so why not think in unlimited terms and, and ask yourself, what would happen if I had a goal 300% more? What if I did $3 million? Then all of a sudden the thinking changes, you know, do I need to call on the same accounts? Do I need to call on different accounts? Uh, probably you want to go high up the food chain, call on C-level issues, and then look backwards and say, what do I need to do? Who do I need to call? What conversations do I need to have? What levels right. do I need to push? So then people set goals that are far beyond where they are at the present moment. Let's keep going. From episode 430, president of the Bridge Group and best-selling author, Trish Bertuzzi. Andy asked Trish, what has changed in the last year about inside sales? And her response was my favorite insight of the week. So I think what's changed, there's actually two things that I think have changed. One, I think there is finally the industry, the selling industry has woken up to the fact that we're boring the absolute crap out of our buyers and they've stopped listening to us. Mm-hmm. So I think p- people no have finally yeah, people have finally figured out that those ridiculous email templates that they've been using, that the lazy sales approaches we've been taking, and the fact that we've invested no time whatsoever in educating ourselves and our buyers' industry market and challenges has come around to bite us in the butt. And that's evidenced by what? Dramatically declining rates of engagement from inbound marketing. So you used to be able to publish a white paper and get X percentage of new names Mm -hmm. downloading your white paper. That's dramatically decreased. White papers, webinars, you name it. We have created so much content. There's a sea of content out there and maybe 2% of it has any value whatsoever. So our buyers have finally figured out, you know what, there's got to be a different way I can get my information that doesn't involve me filling out a web form and being harassed by an SDR and I'm going to figure out what it is. And so what do you think they're doing? I think they're talking to each other. I'm seeing the rise in more and more forums and groups that are focused on peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they're really starting to talk to each other. And I also think that sites like Trust Radius, G2 Crowd, even Glassdoor to some extent are actually being used as a way to vet companies and products. Certainly one of the topics du jour over the last year was this whole sales and marketing alignment conundrum. So Andy asked CMO of Calidus Cloud, Giles House, to sit down with him and explain his process. Well, I mean, that's just one example, right? Making sure that the rich information you're collecting is, is being shared with the salesperson and that the salesperson knows what to do with it. 
And the other thing is the sort of the opposite side of the sales and marketing value equation um, is that sales is really following up with those leads. Um, they're doing the six touches or whatever it is that you agree uh, between sales and marketing. And it has to be an agreement. It really has to be kind of like an SLA like you would um, get in sort of the days of IT support. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to have an agreement that you're going to make these number of touches because we know it's not, you know, 90% of the time you're not going to make the breakthrough on the first call. So you've got to commit to work it um, and you've got to commit to working these leads so long as there are certain size and, you know, certain interest level, whatever it is that you agree that's right for your company. And that's something you have to review all the time. But they have to work it because otherwise you never get the feedback. And they have to be cold as well. And if, if, if they're sort of working leads because they haven't really got enough, then, you know, that information needs to come back as well because otherwise you're creating a, a full sense of security that your marketing team's doing a good job. Well, and you're and on- they will just keep doing the same. In your own organization, so how how do you guys mm-hmm. work on aligning mm-hmm. sales and marketing? So, I mean, so we have that, yeah. Well, we have that sort of contract. Um, we have a certain uh, criteria for what a lead looks like, and that's the most basic piece of sales and marketing alignment because the sales guys care most about leads. So, what is a lead, and then what are you going to do with it? And and is so that we based have on that. a score? Um, no, it comes before even a score. Um, it becomes. It's fundamentals like what is you know what does your target company look like? How much revenue, for example, or mm-hmm. you know how many salespeople do they have? That's more interesting for us. Um, and are we talking to a decision maker? What's their time frame for for buying? You know, it's things things like that. A lot of people use the ban budget authority needs timeline type criteria, variations on the theme of that, and that is what a lead is. And so if I find you one of them as the salesperson, then you know, I expect you to make six calls and get after it. And once you've done that six call pattern over a two or three week period, if it's no good, you need to recycle it back to us and tell us why it was no good. And then, you know, simply from the marketing perspective, we can then look at the leads. Is there a correlation? Did they all come from the same program? Did they all come from that, you know, paid social media program that mm-hmm. we were testing? And if they did, guess what? I'm going to stop spending money on that because none of them turned into leads or turned into sales, you know. So that's that's really how it works in a nutshell. It's it's not rocket science, but it's it, it's back to basics. And I think, you know, going back to the technology, the technology can kind of obfuscate really the underlying problems, um, which in this case is, is some very simple stuff. Have you ever interviewed anyone who has a lot going on, but they're just kind of a jerk? This is the question Andy asks his Frontline Friday co-host, Bridget Gleason, before diving into a discussion about being nice and the importance of resilience in relationships. Of course. <laughs> yes. Do I hire those people? I don't. Right. And, and obviously people do mm-hmm. because there's, they're, they're out there and they often do very well. And some are yeah, quite successful. And quite successful. So it's just not... I don't, but that's me. I don't. Does nice go further than, in your mind, does nice go further than being a smart jerk? I think studies would support that nice goes further than being a smart jerk in most instances. What? I think it does too. I mean, I asked the question because I thought that's what you would, you would respond, but 
came by this idea of the connection and the relationship. And, you know, as you said, having these interpersonal skills to form this connection is, I think, one of the things that people don't think about and need to think a little bit more about with the importance of this is that it's what provides resilience during the buying process of the, the customer, during your sales process. Invariably, something's going to go wrong. Rarely do you have a buying process or a selling process that for a prospect that unfolds smoothly from point A to point B, right? From interest to decision. And I, where I think the real importance of this relationship comes in the bear is when, when things go bad, when things don't go according to plan. And that having that resilience in the, in the connection is really quite important. Yeah, I, uh, I totally, totally agree that you are going to need that. Um, yeah, you're definitely going to need that. You're going to need that resilience at some point and that connection. And you're right, things don't always go right. And they don't always go well. And so to have some of that um, currency already build up, built up is very important. Last but certainly not least on this week of Accelerate, Digital marketer and SEO expert Paul Cortman reviews the skyscraper technique for building backlinks before explaining how he productized the process for customers to increase their site traffic. One of these gurus in the SEO industry, uh, Brian Dean, uh, did a case study on one of his strategies on how he built backlinks, and it's called skyscraper technique. And yeah, so, somebody was just telling me about that last week. Um, it's it's another, really another guest on the show. Of where you look at something that a topic that has proven successful, a uh, piece of content that has acquired a lot of links, but yet the content, for lack of better terms, sucks. Or you found a way to improve upon that content and you go, wait a minute, I can write a better article than that. I can provide a better interface than that. I can improve it and make it like really, really valuable and worthy of a backlink. And I have a list of 100 websites who have linked to an article that was similar to it. And suddenly the lights started going off and it's like, wait a minute. Now we have this done-for-you skyscraper technique hmm, service of where you just tell us your website. We uh, do the research, find the articles that apply to your target audience and that, are, that have had backlinks that have already shown traction and that we can improve upon. We write the article, we improve upon it, we deliver it to you, you get to edit and approve, publish, and then we also do the outreach. We link out and we actually guarantee 10 quality backlinks for every piece, every article that we produce through this. And it's really weird because I have no idea where these domains are coming from, where these links are coming from when we start. We know who linked to the previous article, and we start with those folks. Uh, and sometimes different articles will lead us down different bunny trails, but uh, eventually we get to the, the golden 10-link method or, or, uh, um, or metric, and then at that point, we move on, and we do the next article, and we let all the outreach out there linger, and we see what happens. And I'm telling you, it doubles sales in uh, – it doubles – excuse me, it doubles traffic in six months through organic search because 
you're building 10 links a month or 10 links a week to these, depending on how frequently you do it. And with one of my clients, we, you know, he was an existing custom client. I said, Hey, can we try this new process for you? And he said, sure, do it. I trust you guys. And so we started doing this new process and worked all the kinks out and got it going. And he doubled his traffic after six months. Um, just through organic search because through six articles in six months because we were actually doing it together and choosing good content instead of sitting there and saying, hey, writers, I need some content about this keyword and wasting space on the Internet. Instead, we look at what was successful, Mm -hmm. what's actually already proven to work, yet eh, it's not the greatest article out there. Like that Simon video that you were talking about earlier. That's a great video. But there are ways to improve upon that, like actually transcribing the video. And that could be a skyscraper article in and of itself. You know, like there's all kinds of ways to to improve upon that content, to pull mm-hmm. in other resources, to have graphs, to have images, to have snippets of videos and that sort of thing. And you can make a 2000 word article really quickly that people want to read, that people want to share and that people will link to and refer to because it applies to their audience. So that's it, friends. Another excellent week of Accelerate, the world's best sales podcast. Please take 30 seconds right now. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. I personally want to know what I can do to make this an even more valuable resource for you. For our regular listeners, I'll see you bright and early Monday morning. For everyone else, we'll see you again back here next week. Until then, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.